Well, thank you very much for joining us again. We want to talk a little bit more about practicing A Course in Miracles because that, of course, is the key to all of the undoing of the difficulties in our lives. So it's interesting to note that most of us in the beginning approach practice like doing a chore. We think, two minutes? I don't know if I've got two minutes. Or later on when it asks us for 10 minutes in the morning and 10 minutes at night or five minutes once an hour, we act like this is just something that's onerous rather than seeing it as the liberating practice that it is. So we want to talk about this a little bit. Realize that your ego mind, which is saying, this is such a chore, I don't want to do it, is precisely what's being dismantled by the process. Naturally, it's not going to be an ally. So when you notice the resistance to doing this, be aware of it, set it aside, and proceed anyway. It's not going to be helpful to you in this process. Now, Since it's not your friend anyway, we don't really care whether it likes it or not. We're just going to proceed. I want to tell you a little story. A long time ago, when I used to spend way more time in Northern California, I had the occasion to facilitate an attitudinal healing group in the midst of San Quentin Prison, which is a big old maximum security prison in Northern California. It has the dubious distinction of having the largest number of people on death row in the Western Hemisphere. So nevertheless, in I go to facilitate this attitudinal healing class. And if you don't know what attitudinal healing is, that's a term that Dr. Jerry Jampolsky coined 40 years ago when he became so entranced with the course, he could see how useful it would be to his patients. He had many children with terminal illnesses, so he started the first Center for Attitudinal Healing. So he takes principles of the course that are particularly meaningful to him and puts them into practice. Lots to look up about that if you're not familiar with it. So nevertheless, this was a very interesting experience to go into a maximum security prison. Because once you get inside the front door, you go through one big set of gates that clang shut behind you. And then you go through another set. Seems like I went through at least three sets of great big iron gates until here we are in the bowels of the prison. And there were about 20 guys in this class. And they were just as helpful and cooperative and interested and asked questions and answered the questions that I asked them, one would think it was a group of Sunday school teachers. Anyway, it was quite an experience. But I bet if I said to them, I know how to get you out of this prison, and it's legal, it's not like you have to dig a tunnel with a teaspoon or something like that, there are ways to get out of first this gate and then this gate and then this gate, I doubt, unless one was totally mentally deranged, they would say, sign me up, a legal way to get out of here. And I think that they would approach it with quite a lot of enthusiasm. So 
what we have to recognize is we're in a prison. We're in a prison of our programming, of our conditioning, of what's brought forward in our DNA. The principles of the course and the lessons of the course are designed sequentially. That's why it's asked to do it in order. Designed sequentially to keep unlocking gates, so to speak, to get you out of here. So if we recognize the immense value to us in practicing these lessons, it's not a matter of eat your spinach because it's good for you. It's a matter of if you do these lessons, there is so much more to your life that you can experience. Not just a little more, a lot more. So sometimes people say, well, how do I actually really practice when I've got a problem in my life. So let's just make up one of thousands of problems somebody could have. And let's say you've been in a meeting at your work and you've offered suggestions and ideas earnestly and thoughtfully and you think they were a good idea. And somehow from your perspective, it seems like nobody listened or nobody honored your contribution. That doesn't feel very good. So I'm going to just open the book here and let's pretend like this person's lesson for the day was number 104. I seek but what belongs to me in truth. And it begins by saying, today's idea continues with the thought that joy and peace are not but idle dreams. They are your right because of what you are. And you might think, well, right now I'm feeling taken advantage of, and I'm feeling insignificant, and I'm feeling like nobody's listening to me, and I'm feeling not very cared for. And there are some distressing feelings related to that. And if you're in the middle of the meeting and speaking, you obviously have to come to a place where you can have some privacy. But what you want to do is, first of all, stop just in your mind, because now you're running around with how could people talk to me this way, and so on and so forth, and you can hear your ego mind off and running. So stop. Pause. And the most important thing to do is breathe deeply. Breathe as deeply as you can to the very bottom of your torso, because this will turn off the fight-or-flight response. This will give you a chance to kind of reset your body chemistry. And then, when you are able, you think, either my idea that I'm insignificant and not listened to and unimportant is true, or this idea that joy and peace are mine because of what I am, that it's my inheritance, that it's given to me. These two ideas cannot both be true. So I want to just start to wrap my head around the idea, what if joy and peace really are what I deserve? They really are here for me. They're also here for all the people in this meeting because I can see that it's to my advantage to think more kindly of myself and to think of what would life be like if great peace were mine right now. I want to just think about what that would be like. So this is moving into the contemplative process. And as you do that, you will notice yourself settle and you will be doing that tiny little next step of rewiring your brain because you're short-circuiting that endless talk about 
what's the matter with me? What's the matter with them? How could they behave this way? You're stopping and substituting the ideas in the lesson instead. I'm not reading the whole thing because you can read that for yourself. But as you read the lesson, you realize you're introducing a very different set of thoughts into your mind that you want to give your undivided attention to. So if you get yourself in the habit of that, if you begin to see these lessons and the ideas in the lessons as of vast help to you, then we won't look at them like doing the lessons is a big chore that I would rather not be doing. I just want my way. (laughs) What we really want is peace and joy. And you can notice that by heading down the path of why isn't anybody listening to me, I'm probably not going to get there. I stand a much better chance of actually experiencing a delightful life if I pay attention to the ideas in the lessons and I treat them as if they are true and I am valuable.